Welcome back to I Love Basketball on the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sabrina Merchant, and I am joined today by another member of the Silver Screen and Roll Network, Jazz King. Jazz, what's up? Not much. How are you doing? I'm doing well. You know, the Lakers won again. Uh, good vibes in Lakerland. LeBron James and Anthony Davis are headed to the All-Star Game as starters. So, you know, good times. Good times. All right, that, that is good times. But I think that that's more evi- like evidence of how big the Lakers are on a global scale that, of course, they have two people in the starting lineup because they're the Lakers. And I don't not to say that LeBron James and Anthony Davis aren't deserving. I just feel like it's because the Lakers are the Lakers that if they're this good, of course, they're going to have a couple of starters going. I mean, it is kind of cool that the Lakers have two starters. This is the first time since 2013 that they've had two all-star starters back when Kobe Bryant and Dwight Howard were starting for the Lakers. Yeah. So that's a, it's like a whole lifetime has passed since then. <laughs> it definitely feels like that. Well, the other thing is the interesting part about it is too, is like, well, who else are you going to vote for? Like a, a, a broke down version of, of, of uh, Lonzo Ball, like who else were we going to come get into the All-Star game with the last five, six years? There wasn't really many options for us, were there? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I mean, it'd be hard to say that Anthony Davis and LeBron are anything but deserving after the way the Lakers have played to start the season. I do think to your point about the Lakers being so popular, we probably saw that reflected more in the fact that Alex Caruso finished fourth among Western yeah. Conference guards <laughs> in fan voting, which my oh my, Alex Caruso finishing fourth is such a testament to what a fan base this team has. <laughs> Well, you know what? <laughs> the funny part with Alex Caruso is he's actually, to me, the cutest Laker as well, mm-hmm. just in terms of how he carries himself and, and yeah. everything like that. And just as, this, uh, you know, looks like he's he's just this nice old, I don't want to say it in a bad way, but nice little white guy who just kind of there and whatever. So I can understand the sympathy votes that he was getting from Lakers Nation, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just so interesting to think that, like, so Caruso finished behind James Harden, Luka Doncic, and Damian Lillard. Not in that order, Luca finished first, but mm-hmm. to think that he he also just got more votes than Russell Westbrook or Devin Booker, or Donovan Mitchell, or just all of these Chris Paul, you know, even <laughs> all of these guys who probably will make the All Star game and uh, have you know undoubtedly had better seasons than he has, <laughs> but the fan uproar over you know the fact that Alex Crusoe has been doing so well in this voting is just. Something I'm glad to leave in the past because it seems like most fans don't understand that who wins the fan voting doesn't actually determine who starts the All-Star game. There's 50% of other votes to count, you know, between the players and the media. So I'm just glad that that story is behind us. I think I think Caruso is glad that that story is behind us. Uh, he's been in a little bit of an offensive slump. I, I wonder if this uh, all weighed on him a little bit, but that's behind you know, us, you know. Uh, yeah. Can I say one thing? I think that they should just abolish that 50% of the fan vote because it's always ridiculous. Because let's be honest, as much as we all like Alex Caruso, he has no business trying to get more votes or be in an all-star game over the guys that you mentioned there. So I'm, I'm with these guys. I think it's cute. It's fun. Sure. 
we get people voting for the all-star game and if you really want to take time out of your day to go ahead and do that that's fine but let's be honest about one thing it's ridiculous that there you get to vote in a player not hating on him alex cruz has had a very fine season for what he is but does he deserve to be in over russell westbrook and chris paul stop being ridiculous so let's just take away the 50 percent, okay see i thought you were gonna say let's take away the 50 percent of the players in the media because it's just be all fan vote <laughs> no no we've seen how that this goes. is a game for the fans we should let the fans vote on it I mean, if the players are just going to sit there and vote for themselves, you know, all of them are just doing that anyway. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't really see the point of making them vote, but that's yeah. beside the point. Okay. Ron James, all-star captain, second year in a row, we will be treated to the lovely spectacle of him drafting alongside Giannis Antetokounmpo. That was excellent television last year. Really. I truly enjoyed watching the two of them talk with the TNT guys. They were just so adorable. Giannis made some lovely tampering jokes and we get round two of it. So I'm excited for that. Um, I did want to ask you uh, the 10 starters, you know, other than LeBron James and Giannis, we've got AD, Luca, James Harden, and Kawhi Leonard in the West. And then we have Kemba Walker, Trey Young, um, Joel Embiid, and Pascal Siakam in the East. Do you think it's a no-brainer that LeBron picks AD first in the All-Star Draft? I think he has to, yeah, just by just by affiliation. If he doesn't, then uh, then I think people, you know, what's going to happen? Then people are going to start questioning: Is there a rift between LeBron and Anthony Davis? <laughs> I mean, may, they might have their own little thing going on there that they're talking about it and saying, you know what, for the hell of it, I'm not going to pick you first overall. Like it might be an inside joke, but I kind of hope he does. So we, as people who cover the Lakers and people who talk about basketball, don't have to deal with the backlash of some crazy person sitting in the middle of uh, nowhere in uh, New Mexico or somewhere who's a Lakers fan and questioning if if that means that LeBron and AD, or that AD is not going to re-sign in LA because LeBron didn't pick him uh, with the first overall pick. But I think that, in my opinion, it is a foregone conclusion that, yes, LeBron will pick Anthony Davis. What about you? Oh, it's funny. I, I realized the way I phrased that question is exactly how it was phrased to LeBron post-game today. Oh. And uh, LeBron said, uh, let's get the actual uh, quote here. When he was asked if it'd be a no-brainer to pick AD number one, he said, yeah, there is a brainer. I don't have to pick him. I don't even like him. <laughs> See, there you go, right? So <laughs> now, now somebody who's listening to this right now somewhere in Asia is going to question if they, if they have a big – way to go, Sabrina. You're going to start an international <laughs> incident now. That's good. <laughs> I'm not the one who starts international incidents. LeBron is perfectly capable of that on yeah. his own. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I do think LeBron is going to pick AD first. Um I think it's kind of a shame that we don't get West East this year because that West team would obliterate the East oh, team. Right. It is so much better, but I do think there's always some fun, uh, you know, potential inside stories on, you know, who LeBron could pick, you know, based on who he likes best or who he's trying to curry favor with, you know, who's a potential free agent. Obviously Anthony Davis is the free agent this off season. So, you know, I think you cover all your bases with one pick as long as you take Davis. And you also build the best team, you know, to win the game. Because I think LeBron is one of, like, the three or four guys left in the NBA who actually cares about winning this game. Yeah, I, I could see that, too. And I know, you know, when they're when they're playing for the uh, – and when they had the uh, All-Star game here in L.A. a couple of years ago, too, I know it, it was kind of – I don't want to say it meant a lot to the players in terms of the difference in, in prize money and whatnot. But because they are donating money to to local charities and, and local youth organizations – I think they have started started to take it a little bit more seriously, especially in the fourth quarter. I, you know, I don't want to sit there and act like they're they're trying their their tails off for the first three, but um, you know, 
anything they have to do to me, and you're, and you're seeing this around. I mean, you see it in the NFL with the Pro Bowl. Uh, I've seen it in the NHL with the All-Star game, too. It is kind of becoming a meaningless thing, not because uh, people don't enjoy it, but I would say that when you watch it, yeah, let's be honest, it's terrible basketball. As much as you want to see these guys go at it, you know, five on five and try and try and kill each other and playing good defense, it's not going to happen. So just have the most fun with it. I think it's great that they're 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 using it to uh, to kind of you know get some donations in for for local charities, which I'm sure they'll do in in Chicago as well. But um, you know, to me, I, I just think eventually, I would say, in my opinion, maybe in the next. I don't want to say sooner than this, but maybe seven to ten years. I think eventually the All Star Game will kind of just be abolished from from even existing, which I think is not a bad thing too. Because let's be real, it, it's not. Who cares? I mean, the dunk contest is kind of fun, and the three point contest is always fun, but the actual game itself always is kind of a dud, don't you think? This is a fascinating take. I am a huge fan of All Star Weekend. Love okay. everything about I'm it. I mean, podcast right now. That's not just kidding. No, I mean, uh, I think the. The Chicago thing is actually a very good point because you notice that whenever a guy is playing in his hometown, either like where he grew up or where like he plays for his current NBA team, the other guys always try to feed him the ball early, you know, get him an early case for MVP. I, I, you notice that with Kemba last year in Charlotte didn't quite work out. But the fact that this game is being played in Chicago and Anthony Davis is from Chicago, you'd think that he would have a little extra motor in him to want to put on a good show for his hometown fans. And that's just another reason why you'd want him on your team because he might actually care more than the other guys. So, yeah, y- yep, yet another reason for LeBron James to just make the obvious decision. I mean, he should just like call it in to who 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 announces this draft? Ernie Johnson. Yeah, he should call it in to Ernie Johnson right now and just be like, ah, I got the number one pick. Giannis is on the clock, you know, for another two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> that's a smart way to do it. Yeah, you don't want to put the pressure on Giannis and see what he does, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, LeBron and AD headed to the All Star game. Uh, another set of Lakers who will be joining them in Chicago for the all-star game are Frank Vogel and the coaching staff, because the Lakers have officially clinched the, uh, the best record for whatever indeterminate period there is that we determine all-star coaches with. Yeah. So they have, you know, a, a four game lead on second place in the Western conference. So that's enough to send Frank Vogel and the rest of the coaching staff, you know, including Jason Kidd and Lionel Hollins and Phil Handy and the whole lovely group. Uh, do you think this uh, means anything to them that they are going to be, you know, coaching LeBron James and team LeBron at the all-star game? Uh, I think that means that Jason Kidd's going to be having a few Heinekens and uh, in Chicago and enjoying the weekend around his NBA brethren. But uh, you know what? I think they'll say in front of the cameras that, that it means a lot to them. I think for a guy like Frank Vogel, uh, who, you know, was kind of, let's be honest, after his Orlando stint, wasn't really taken, taken too seriously as an NBA head coach. And um, for a guy who was who was really like you know, on a serious note, I mean, you're looking at, at someone who was uh, looked upon as you know the third option and, and a guy that really the Lakers settled on just because they they couldn't get their their other top choices. Uh, I think it could mean something to him, you know, personally. But ultimately, uh, for me, I think for All Star Weekend when you're and, and I covered NBA All Star Weekend here when it was in LA, um, I think that most of the people look at it, it. It's a good time to gather around, talk hoops. You're you're kind of hanging out with with you know, your, your, your peers and, and having a good time. So I think it means, I think it means a lot for Frank Vogel in the sense that um, instead of just being an afterthought and, and a retread NBA coach that he proved himself to, to do a damn good job with the Lakers, which he has this season. And I think that's a testament to, like you mentioned, the Jason kids and the Phil Handys and, and the Lionel Hollins and, and the entire staff in the sense that um, they've, they've done a really good job with, with 
with a team that a lot of people were looking at and thinking that, wow, this is like a, a third tier head coach that they're getting. So in a personal sense, yes, but I also think they might would ra- might would rather like might want to rather be part of me uh, on a beach somewhere with their families and, and, and somewhere else doing their own thing. But I mean, again, I, I, I don't want to put words into their mouths or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a really nice extended break that the All-Star break has become. You get almost a full week off from basketball if you're not part of the All-Star festivities. And, you know, adding on to that, that the game is in Chicago, which is maybe the last place you want to be in February <laughs> in terms of the NBA calendar. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm sure, like, there's tons of other things that he'd rather do with his time. He has family, he has kids. Uh, but I think just – you know, purely judging off of like what we've seen of Frank and his media availability this year, he seems like the guy who, you know, enjoys the respect of his peers. And this, this does mean a little something, right? The fact that he has the team with the best record in the league, even if the Lakers haven't accomplished anything yet, it's just, you know, just past the halfway point of the season. These wins don't count for anything come May and June, but it's a nice marker of, oh, you know, we're in a good place now. I've, we've outperformed other teams in the West like this is this is an honor, you know. And, and Frank has been the coach of uh, an All Star team before. I think in 2014, that Indiana Pacers team that sort of ran away with the regular season. He's actually won as head coach of the All Star game before, so maybe this uh, experience won't be as fresh for him because he's already, you know, been there, done that. He's already coached Team LeBron, <laughs> so yep. uh, in that sense, you know, maybe you'd rather have the weekend off. But it's another accolade for the Lakers. And, you know, just more purple and gold being sent to All-Star Weekend, in addition to White Howard, which we have final confirmation that he's actually going to be doing the dunk contest. Yeah, that's going to be, you know what, I'm actually looking forward to that. I I think it's interesting that he actually decided to, um, that he actually decided to, to, I know, I know he was saying that, uh, you know, the NBA didn't approach him, that from what I've heard, it was him going to the NBA and saying, hey, I want to do this. So I, and I also, you know, getting back to this. I think a lot of it has to do with with the energy and and kind of the fun you see around the team where they just genuinely seem to be enjoying what they're doing right now and and, and enjoying being a part of of this specific team and this specific organization. Because you remember last year, Sabrina, when Magic Johnson was around, there was like a dark cloud around the entire organization. There has been for a little while, let's be honest, especially since... Uh, and I would say this, you know, I know some Lakers lovers are going to get really pissed at me for saying this, but even the, the last couple of years of, of Kobe's time, it was it was really looked upon as like, dude, that's a graveyard. You don't want to go there. So for me, it's going to be fun to see uh, fun to see Dwight Howard participate. Fun, fun to see. I, I'm hoping. I, I, I doubt it. I'd probably give it like a 15% chance that Kobe actually shows up and helps him with it. But um, going back to the coaching as well, I just think it's a testament to how much fun these guys are having with each other in terms of their chemistry and and kind of almost be a lot of them are, are older guys and 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 they might not take it for granted anymore the fact that they're in the NBA and they're playing on such a good team so for me I, I just think it, it it's a it's a good sign and it's a good thing for this team to have good representation there again you're going to go back and, and look at some of the years that the that they had where they weren't even close to being in the uh, in the playoffs or having all stars so I think it's a it's it's a good thing for how far the organization has come. Right. Absolutely. Anytime that there are, you know, good superlatives associated with the Lakers, I think it's a positive thing. Again, even if it means that you have to suffer through three additional days in Chicago and pretend to coach a team where nobody actually needs to be coached. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah, exa- exactly. Right. They can probably have a few a few uh, uh, good scotch and, or whiskeys or whatever it is their choice to drink and, and show up and let the players do their own thing the next day, which I'm sure is probably going to happen anyways, right? <laughs> All right, so we're going to take a quick break and then come back and talk about the game that actually clinched Bogle's spot to Chicago. Okay, 
So the Lakers just played the Nets on Friday, uh, New York back-to-back Knicks-Nets, and this was kind of the polar opposite of the game against the Knicks. That was a, I don't want to say defensive struggle because I don't think either team was actually playing good defense, more so just really bad offense for much of that first half, whereas that was not the case in Brooklyn whatsoever. Uh, both teams just raining it in from downtown, 75 points to 70 in the first half. The Lakers were up. Uh, any initial thoughts on this Brooklyn game, Jess? Yeah, Sabrina. Like, okay, so you know, you're mentioning how how high scoring it was, and it was funny to see because the Nets were on fire, and we saw them do this to to the Lakers a couple times in the in the preseason too. Is uh, they were taking advantage of the fact that the Lakers really like to pack in and, and protect the paint, and um, you know, it, it was funny. The, the the Nets, I think, averaged something like twelve or fourteen fast break points a game. They had thirty eight in in this one, and fourteen of those came in the first quarter. And and you're looking back at it. Um, for me, it was it was fun. It was fun to see, but I also had the feeling watching the first half that, you know what, once the Lakers actually start to figure out what they're doing offensively and they start putting it together, they're going to be able to to stomp this team. And they did. They went on a, I think it was twenty four two run late in the third, early into the fourth. And I think a lot of that was the reason that the adjustments. We were talking about Frank Vogel before the break. Uh, I think it has a lot to do with that. You know, the way he he looked at it, and 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 they were like, okay, you know what. Why are we overcommitting on 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 rotating down and helping on the guy who's slashing when, dude, they got to shoot over Dwight Howard and and uh, and and Anthony Davis? So Kyrie Irving, one of the best in the business in terms of finishing at the rim. But hey, if you want to see Spencer Dinwiddie try and hit a up and under over Dwight Howard, by all means, let him do that. And I think that's where the Lakers kind of kind of shifted the the entire momentum of the game was that late third quarter where they started stopping to overcommit and 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 not really being concerned about the guy who's driving and just staying at home on the shooters and when they did that they ended up pulling away from Brooklyn and, and winning this one easily yeah absolutely i think um you know on the broadcast uh, uh bill and Stu were saying that you know just the first team to play defense was going to come out with this one so that's essentially what happened right the lakers switched their defensive game plan in that second half and paid dividends because you know the nets they have shooters but they don't really have an ability to finish in the paint. Like you said, the thought of Spencer Dinwiddie trying to finish around Dwight Howard is that definitely works in the Lakers favor. And even though Kyrie Irving is one of the more clever finishers in the league, I don't, I don't think he's quite back to where he needs to be since his injury. I, I got to say like the whole Kyrie LeBron angle that I was looking forward to. I, I didn't even really enjoy that. <laughs> um, it's one of the subplots that I thought would uh, give me a little entertainment, but it, it did not. Kyrie was a pretty terrible. I think he was a, a minus 26 in this game. And I know we yeah. don't like single game plus minus as an end all be all, but sometimes it tells you something, you know, <laughs> minus 26 is, it's a big number. <laughs> well, no, I mean, here, you know, here's the thing with people who, who argue and, and always trying to refute that side. It's like, no, it's indicative of how the team does when you're on the court. And it might be, I understand it's a one game thing, but to me, Kyrie Irving, I think he's. I love watching him play. I love the way he 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 controls the ball. Obviously, his handles are are, are top notch, if not the best in the league. And and you look at the way he finishes. But I would never want to be on a team in a college group project, a coworker, anything <laughs> to do with Kyrie Irving for the fact that he is legitimately the most. Uh, miserable and unhappiest player in the NBA. And you know what? He's going to be joined by Kevin Durant next year. And hopefully what we're going to see out of that, those guys is as good as they are on the court, 
not a lot of people want to be around them off the court. So, um, you know, it, it's funny that you're, you're, you're mentioning that too, that the way the Nets were playing last season and they were very free and, and I, you know, I mean, obviously they had Jerry Dudley there who's on the Lakers now, but you look at um, just the way they play, it, the way Kenny Atkinson runs that system, it is, it's a fun, upbeat, upbeat way to play basketball. And it's kind of the new school where it's, hey, you know what, we're going to space the floor and, and we're going to go, uh, you know, we're going to, it's all about getting layups or, or three-pointers. And I think once the Lakers realize that, Dude, we can let these guys try and beat beat our big men inside, or we're gonna sit there and, and kind of give them the shots that they want. And the hitting three pointers—I mean, they were twenty-one to forty-six. Uh, the Nets were from beyond the arc. So when you look at it like that, um, it's, to me, I, I just thought once Frank Vogel and, and and I think LeBron really had a big big uh, bearing on that too in the in the third quarter was the fact that he kind of started stepping up his defense and he started to take control of things. So uh, I, I think in that in that sense, what once the team kind of figured it out and turned it on, it, it was lights out for the Nets from that point on. Yeah, plus I also think that anytime an opponent plays zone, you know, in an NBA yeah. game, like there's only a matter of time before an offense starts to figure it out because zone is really just more of a rhythm buster in the NBA, in my opinion, than anything else. It doesn't last. It's not a sustainable thing that you can play for 48 minutes unless like, I don't even think Miami can do it for 48 minutes, even though Spolster tries sometimes. <laughs> but the fact that the Nets had to go zone against the Lakers, like LeBron was just slicing and dicing that thing up. Like there was... There was no way that they could hope to contain him with like a gimmick defense like that. And it's so it's funny because like I was watching the Laker game today and then Serena Williams was playing the Australian Open and she ended up losing. But being able to watch like LeBron and Serena and these athletes who essentially like for my entire sports watching life (laughs) have been just completely dominant at their profession and continuing to do it like for the last 20 years, I I just have to sit back sometimes and think like, wow, I can't believe that this is still happening. You know, like watching LeBron just get into the middle of the zone, fire passes wherever he wanted to. Uh, He's, I mean, he's going to pass Kobe Bryant for third Mm -hmm. on the NBA all-time scoring list probably next game. Like, I, (laughs) this is very big picture. It doesn't really have anything to do with the Nets game, but it just, every so often I have to remind myself like, oh yeah, LeBron James is on the Lakers. Like we get to watch this guy every single game and root for him. Like it it still never gets old. (laughs) Well, yeah, you're right. You know, it's kind of funny too. Like, you know, as somebody who moved from Canada to 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 LA, you know, three years ago, I thought, you know, when once LeBron signed on, obviously last season, uh, before last season, I was like, wow, you know, what a treat for for Lakers fans. Because let's be honest, the NBA isn't what it was 15 years ago in in the sense of player loyalty. And and I'll be honest with you, in my younger years, I used to be like, I can't believe a guy would want to leave a team that he, um, you know, kind of grew up around and, and mm-hmm. had time to be with. And then as I've gotten older, I've been like, damn right, do what's best for you, man. If you want right. to get up and you want to move out of Oklahoma City because you want to go live in the Bay Area, absolutely go do it. You know what I mean? Like we would all, uh, you were in the same boat as me and I'm sure a lot of people who listen to the podcast, if you had an opportunity to move to a better city and a better market for better money, you would take it up and, and do it in a heartbeat and you don't owe anybody anything. And 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 for me, once once LeBron came over, and it's funny because I've, I've seen some comments from people and, and, you know, oh, you know, they don't want LeBron to pass Kobe. It's like, what what era, what world are you living in that, <laughs> that you're not going to sit here and say that, hey, one of the best, and arguably, again, it depends on your opinion, one of the best three, maybe five players of all time, depending on where you stand, is, is sitting in your team's colors and your team's uniform night in and night out, you'd be you'd be an idiot not to sit there and, and enjoy it and, and appreciate what we get to see. Because for me, I never cheered for LeBron's Cavs teams. I'll be honest with you. I didn't want LeBron's Heat team to do well, not because I hate LeBron. I would just I would just kind of, that's the way I, I went. And and I'm kind of like that now in terms of with, with other sports, other than 
other than uh, the NFL, where I'm a hardcore San Francisco 49ers fan. So I'm like, hell yes, I can't wait to the Super Bowl. But um, <laughs> when you're watching when you're watching LeBron play, it's like if you're just a basketball fan, and even especially if you're a Laker fan, like take the time to enjoy this because you also have to remember those years that we went between Michael Jordan. I'm talking Michael Jordan at his best, winning it in '98, and and until you kind of had the the, the the Kobe Shaq run for a couple of years there. And then LeBron, as he was getting to his best and, and the Lakers weren't very good, um, especially after Shaq had left until they, they came on towards the, the end of the last decade. Um, you almost started looking at it like, damn, there's not really a lot of big name superstars in the NBA. You're not seeing greatness for, for what it is. And for us to see LeBron do this night in and night out, it is reminiscent of what Jordan did with the bulls for that stretch. So I feel like we should sit here and, and enjoy it and embrace what we're getting to see. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, the Lakers put on a really, really good show against Brooklyn. I mean, the fact that they are 12-0 and 0 now on back-to-backs this season is just really a remarkable testament to how much they're valuing this regular season. Like, you know, you talk about championship caliber teams and sometimes they just go into the regular season and they take it as a sort of a test run, you know, for the playoffs because ultimately these 82 games don't matter in terms of, you know, who gets to raise that trophy in June. But like you said, we've gone through some really not dark because this is still professional basketball. This is still an entertainment, you know, industry that we're we're taking in. But like there were some really bad Laker teams that we had to watch for the last seven years. Really, really bad Laker teams. And they were not enjoyable for long stretches. They played stupid. They made bad mistakes. There were players that were just not enjoyable to root for. And to have a team like this, you know, with LeBron and Anthony Davis, we know that they're going to be good. Like that's... That's just step one. But they're clearly enjoying the process so much. You know, the fact that you can tune into a game where they're playing the New York Knicks and it's a Wednesday game and it's not on national television and they have another game against the Nets right afterwards. And it's the kind of game that you expect NBA teams to just sort of shrug off, right? And no, yeah. they they don't let that get in the way. They They want to win every single game. And Maybe, you know, that's not the right attitude to have in the long run. Like everyone complains about, oh, you know, when Golden State won 73 games, they got tired at the end of the season. I I don't buy into that. I think this is, you know, the NBA season is an 82 game long regular season. It's, It's 82 games worth of product. And I'm so incredibly grateful that the Lakers treat all 82 games as worthwhile, that we get to tune into a team that tries to win every single time. And, you know, even in this first half when like the, the Lakers didn't quite have their defensive verb, you know, to start the game. They turned it on in the second, you know, they made the adjustments. They didn't just say, okay, we don't have it tonight. Like I can't remember the last time I could tune into a Lakers team and think like, oh, we have a chance to win every single night. And more importantly, the players want to try to win every single night. It's so refreshing. Well, here, here's the thing. I mean, and the Lakers fans and, and whatever we're talking about, like, do we want to see Brandon Bass and, and, and Tariq Black back and playing for the Lakers right now? Like, what are you, what are you complaining about? And I, I think after going through, because, you know, let, let's look at it, uh, you know, objectively. You look at last season, LeBron James, that was the first time people started questioning. I don't want to say they questioned how great he was. I don't think that was it. They started questioning him and, and, and saying he's done. Like we haven't heard that since he came into the league in the in the 2003 draft, or, or you know, nobody was ever looking at it and saying, oh, um, you know, LeBron's done or LeBron's washed and he's not whatever. And and I think because and we've seen him, you know, use the hashtag washed king, and, and we've seen him yeah. back at things, and 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 you can tell he he felt slighted by what happened last season, and it was kind of the perfect storm for everything to go bad for the Lakers. 
um, last year in terms of, you know, when he got injured on Christmas and, and things kind of went, went by the wayside then, I, I think it's a testament to him. I, and, and, and you're mentioning, you know, the, the team and the, and the roster the Lakers have right now, it's a very old roster. And uh, I'm sure you have some, some younger guys out there like, like Alex Caruso, um, you know, Troy Daniels, Quinn Cook, not exactly old, but they're not exactly young either. And, you know, Kyle Kuzma on the younger end, but the rest of those guys, like um, uh, Anthony Davis, obviously is very young, just feels like he's been around forever, but you got like Dwight Howard and Danny Green, Avery Bradley, um, you know, Rajon Rondo, these guys are, are, have been around for a long time and, and they don't look at it anymore and say, hell, I'm, I'm taking, you know, I'm taking this for granted. Whereas I think you find that with, with other teams around the league, like, oh, you know, I don't really feel like I understand the load management, the injury thing, but some of them don't, don't take it seriously enough. And so that's where I think the Lakers sitting at 36 and 9, 45 games into the season. I think for me, people better start enjoying this and seeing it for what it is, because I, as much as as good as the Lakers are and, and as, as much as I think they've cemented themselves as a championship contender, they're not also clearly the number one or number two team in the league. I think they have some holes that they're going to have to address going forward as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, if anything, that's all the more reason to take this regular season so seriously because, mm-hmm. you know, Lord knows what happens in April, May, and June. But there's something that there's something to be said about building like a winning culture, right? And even if it's against teams that are sub 500, you know, or teams that the Lakers clearly have a talent advantage over, no team wins every game, right? But the fact that they consistently try to put themselves in position to win every game. Obviously, that Monday loss is something that they just have to flush away because that was a, a rare crazy. exception in an otherwise pristine season. But the fact that they continue to try to put themselves in position to win every game, those are the kinds of habits, I think, that mean something down the road. Can I, can I ask you something on that, on mm-hmm. that note? So yeah. who, do you, who do you attribute the, the turnaround of the organization? Okay, okay. Taking, a fact, taking out the fact that LeBron James signing with the team obviously put it into a different stratosphere compared to what we had what he had seen prior to him mm-hmm. uh coming for those few years um you know especially Kobe's last couple of seasons and and then after his retirement but who do you give the 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 success to like is that Jeannie Buss's decision or do you think that Rob Palenka has more to do with this I I think it's probably more of a Palenka thing just because I mean we had LeBron James on the Lakers last year and there wasn't this culture you know so I think Frank Vogel is a piece of that. And also the fact that, like you said, most of the guys on this team are veterans, right? Like they don't want to take these opportunities for granted anymore. So the fact that, you know, Palinka and whoever else was involved in the free agency decision-making, you know, whether that's the Rambuses or LeBron and Anthony Davis, they put together a team of guys who clearly value games one through 82, right? And the team was just much younger last year, right? Like it's not the situation where, you're valuing wins and losses above everything. Like there's internal development. That's another goal of the season. And that's just not the focus this year, right? The focus is we have to win games. We have to put up banner number 17. Who are the guys where this is going to be their number one priority? And I think you have to credit the front office for that. I think you have to credit Frank Vogel for, you know, establishing that culture in the locker room. And I mean, even though you said, obviously LeBron James is a big part of this. I mean, he wasn't invested in this team last year. He's clearly much more invested in this team this year. And without his buy-in, I don't think any of that is possible. I, I, yeah, I, th- I think you hit the nail on the, on the head with that. And I think that's where, uh, that's where I think having a, a crappy season, let's just call it what it is last, last mm-hmm. year, is what motivated him to do that and come back in a way that 
uh, the way he's been dialed in on defense, don't get me wrong, he takes plays off still. I, I can see that. But, I mean, in, in close games and, and against stiffer competition, he's not just taking plays off. He's not just swiping at the ball. You know, if, if somebody's coming by and he's, he's, he's kind of the help side guy, he's, he's, he's fully committing to, to being there. And, and I think that is a, a testament to, again, going back to, to a point you brought up a, you know, a few minutes ago is, yeah, these, this is not just something to, to sit back and say, oh, you know, whatever. It, 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 no, it's something, to be, it's something to be admired and, and it's something to, be, something to be appreciated. Like you're seeing it with the Bucks dominating in the East. Like how often do you see teams do this? You know what I mean? And how often are you going to see people come around like, like uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo and, and LeBron James and Anthony Davis? And, and so, I, you know, for me, I, I think it's great for the NBA. The NBA is always better when the Lakers are good, right? Let's not, yes. you know, let's not sit there and hide that. And I, I wish that James Dolan would do something with the Knicks because they're a sorry-ass franchise. So I don't know <laughs> to say that. But it's like when, when you have teams like the, the, the Lakers, the Knicks, the Celtics, these teams are good. The NBA is better as a whole. And we, as not only basketball fans, but as sports fans, getting to enjoy greatness and getting to enjoy competition at this level, I think we'd be foolish not to appreciate it at this point. Right. And I think the NBA is so fortunate that its two biggest stars right now, Giannis and LeBron, believe in carrying that mindset through the entire regular season and not just the playoffs because it makes for such an enjoyable product, regardless of if the ratings are down or not. <laughs> well, the rating, I, you know, I think the ratings being down, I think that's all encompassing of the fact that so many people stream and so many <laughs> people are, you know, like, I mean, I don't want to say it like publicly. I don't know if the, the, uh, FCC or something or some weird American governmental department is going to, is going to hear about it. But like, yeah, if I get the chance that I can stream something online, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it for free and I don't have to pay for it. So uh, I, I think it's more so of, of the, the establishment not catching up to the, the needs and, and the wants of the market. So I think once they get that all figured out, I think they'll look at it. The ratings aren't actually down. It's just not as many people are watching on the traditional modes that we're, we're used to. Yeah. Well, fortunately for us, we get to watch the Lakers and the Lakers are pretty damn good. Uh, they are 36 and nine after the first 45 games of the season, coming off a big win against the Brooklyn Nets. They have LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and the entire coaching staff headed to All Star Weekend in Chicago. And uh, we'll, you know, we'll see where it goes from here. Thanks so much for joining the pod today, Jazz. Anything you want to plug? Uh, no, no, that's it, Sabrina. Just so you know that I will love to watch uh, the the All Star, the the dunk contest, and the uh, and the three point contest. Being a huge NBA fan, I will not be tuning in for one second to that NBA All Star game because I can't stand watching them. But it's great that the Lakers are. It's great that the Lakers are well represented there. Well, let's see. You know, if maybe a KCP or someone can get an invite to that three point shootout. But uh, for That'll now, make it even better, right? <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for listening to the Silver Screen Roll podcast. Uh, you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Please, you know, leave a review. It really helps us. And enjoy your weekend. Yeah, 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 yeah.